everyone let's go welcome to another episode of the uru labs podcast from bengaluru ever complained how bad our cities are how bad your commute is you'll get to hear from a lot of people who are working to solve these problems in their own way this is your weekly soapbox for urban sustainability so do not forget to like subscribe and share these videos check out the entire podcast library and profiles of the guests on the website podcast.urulabs.com i am your host satya sankaran we are speaking today with dr anjali karol mohan she is a partner at integrated design where she leads urban planning projects her professional experience over the last 3 decades straddles development institutional and policy frameworks she also teaches at the center for public policy at national law school bengaluru the kautilya school of public policy in hyderabad and takshashila institutions she is a member of the copenhagen based international federation for housing and planning and she served on several task forces and expert committees most recently she was the member of the expert panel to the chief minister of andhra pradesh advising on a statewide comprehensive urban development strategy and i know she has been working on the bengaluru master plan of 2031 which will be the topic of discussion today welcome to the show anjali thank you thanks satya for the opportunity just before we hit the questions i wanted to just set the context to the viewers so those who don't know a master plan for a city or a region is a long term planning document typically 10 to 15 years that provides a conceptual layout to guide the future growth and development of the city or the region for bengaluru the order to prepare a master plan for 2031 was issued in 2017 and the reason is there was a plan, master plan before that which ended in 2015 and that's the one that was currently trying to be revised and we are in 2023 now there was a pil after the master plan was prepared and anjali was uh, a part of preparing that master plan along with many other agencies like royal askonings and many others this was commissioned by the bengaluru development authority the idea was to revise the master plan of 2015 bring another one for 2031 because it's like a 15 year time frame but after the pil it got shelved and now there are talks of the 2041 master plan remember a lot of work has gone into the 2031 already but the most startling fact in all of these things is uh, reportedly only 14% of whatever was mentioned in the 2015 plan was implemented or seen on the ground of course there are many ways of calculating this it could be 14 it could be 15 but a very small percentage of whatever was specified in the master plan actually got implemented which leads me to the question anjali is with such low rates of adoption of whatever we say whatever you put in the master plan do you think master plans really are useful anymore and are they an outdated concept what do you say to begin with uh i uh i will use the word master plan uh in in the absence of any other word that we have for an urban plan right so what we need is uh we to answer your question directly in one line no we the master plan is very much needed i don't think that and uh, there is any uh, any doubt in my mind that an urban plan or a city plan is an outdated concept that it's a it's a concept that is not required or a tool that is not required it's very much needed having said that there is a problem in the way our master plans are conceived the process we follow the way these are visualized the way these visualize the city so there is a problem in the process itself and the, then by extension what the process produces right so both there is a there is a problem and to say that a master plan is not needed is like almost throwing the baby out with the bathwater so we do need the master plan for sure or an urban plan in the case of karnataka actually we have been a little regressive till 1995 the plan was always referred to as a comprehensive development plan and karnataka across the country was lauded for having that that um, part of its statutory framework having moved from calling it a master plan to a comprehensive development plan and uh, somewhere in the late 90s uh we don't know what happened i think the town planning department took this call to go back to calling it a master plan there was a nationwide debate on uh, whether and there is a lot that a name holds right the word master plan itself like why should you call it a master plan it is something that has to integrate and 
converge on various development initiatives, guide and steer them, and therefore let's call it a comprehensive development plan. We had taken that, uh, that uh, Karnataka had taken the lead on that, but then unfortunately we lost out on that. So, uh, so why I'm talking about the whole idea of the, the name comprehensive development plan is that what we need is something that actually uh, reflects the philosophy of a comprehensive development for the larger city. And that's what the master plan is required to do. I've, clearly, the process we follow and what it produces is largely embedded in a very colonial setup and a largely a colonial mindset and we have taken forever to actually change it. What is required is a change in the statutory frameworks which allow the plan to look beyond the, must, uh, the land use plan. So as you know the plan is actually a land use plan, largely a land use plan, right? And that is what uh, was largely a, uh, comes from a very colonial uh, way of thinking where land is looked upon as an asset and you want to actually monetize on land and create revenue through land. And that's why the visibility of that use of land and land itself was very critical. And that's what we continue to do it. But that, I think, needs a overhaul. And there is no doubt about it that the process itself uh, and the way we actually conceptualize cities, the way we look at cities, there is definitely the need for an overhaul. So, Basically, again, coming back to your question, we do need a plan. And right now you can see it. We have a very outdated plan. While we say there is a revised master plan for 2015, don't forget that the database or the land use that it is operating on, the understanding of the land use is something that was recorded in 2007. Hmm. So we are almost 14 years, more than 14 years um, from that database and this is uh, really obnoxious for a city which is growing even as we speak right so there is just so much dynamism in uh, the cities um, especially cities of the global south which are just growing uh, leaps and bounds and to go and rely on a on a database or a platform that was that was actually recorded in 2007 it's crazy so we definitely need an urban plan or a city plan but also an overall overhaul process of the same. So let's deep dive into some of those things. One is the comprehensive development plan versus master plan. Why is that? You also said that the development plan is a part of the master plan. So are these two different things? Are they the same things set different? What is the advantage of using the word comprehensive development plan? So, uh, so while we did not take the whole uh, Karnataka was not able to take it to fruition, but the idea at the national level at that time was that instead of calling the city plan a master plan, let's call it a comprehensive development plan. So before the RMP 2015, the official terminology for the plan that we had at that time was CDP 1995, which got revised to become RMP 2015, revised master plan 2015, which is to be revised to become RMP 2031. So the plan is the same, but the idea was also to bring in, if you call it the comprehensive development plan, then let's look at what other aspects of development need to be integrated or woven into, say, the spatial aspects of the city. And how do we visualize these uh, together to be able to steer the growth of the city? That was the idea, but we didn't really move too much ahead on it and we went back to calling it a master plan and also the legal frameworks or the statutory frameworks which is largely the Karnataka Town and Country Planning Act not much has changed over there it continues to define the master plan as a land use plan so the idea was that the development word brings in other angles beyond land use a larger understanding a larger perception of what the city needs what the city needs to uh, how the growth of the city needs to be uh, steered. And if you were to ask me, the idea at that point was to actually move beyond a spatial understanding of the land use, which is largely embedded in uh, of the la a spatial understanding of the la land use to also a socioeconomic understanding of the land use, of the city itself, right? So that was what was uh, what we were trying to do. And 30 years hence, we are saying the same. So we're constantly pushing with government saying that let's move beyond the spatial plan to also understand the socio-economic aspects, the socio-cultural, the socio-political, all these are very important frames for the city. And unless we don't start to think 
between uh, within these frames, we are continuing to do a disservice to the city in the way the master plans are conceived. So, do you think in order for us to change the official terminology to CDP, this uh, the Karnataka Town and Country Planning Act should also mention that you are mandatorily required to bring in not just a master plan but a comprehensive development plan or something like that, or or the legal provisions are enough to just call it CDP and still do it? There are no the legal provisions call it the master plan. What it needs is to be. And I believe the name holds a lot of, uh, it actually directs you, right? So uh, it may be good to call it a city plan, a comprehensive development plan, an urban and regional plan. You can call it anything. But what it also needs to do is to move, to define it, not just a mere land use plan, but to also go beyond that and say, here are some of the socioeconomic aspects that need to be brought in. And then outline what are some of these aspects that the plan needs to cover, right? Having said that, again, the other problem with the entire plan is that it is prepared at a distance which is too far from the ground. Mm. So it is a very centralized uh, way of looking. It's prepared by one authority, the Bangalore Development Authority, which conceives the city from the top. Mm. Basically, it's a top-down plan where we are sitting and looking at the city from the top. What we are not trying to understand is how the city, what is the city that exists on the ground? And there's a huge gap between these, actually. The city that I imagine and I plan for in the, uh, in, the, in the master plan is very different from the city that exists on the ground, right? And that's what you started off by saying, that only a 14% implementation, that number can be 24, that number can be 35. Nobody knows, actually, because we barely do an assessment of the implementation of the plans. But what exists on the ground is not what the master plan has in envisaged. So there's a gap between the planned city and the everyday city. And that's because we are not able to, we are only doing one part of the process, which is a top-down understanding, which is very much needed. I'm not saying it's not needed. It is needed. But what we are missing out is the bottom-up understanding of the city. And that's where the master plan process in itself is flawed. This is a very good weaving in of three questions I wanted to ask. One is I wanted you to elaborate on the not top-down approach, which gives us a uh, kind of understanding of how it should be done. Mm -hmm. The second one was the low implementation rates, which you believe is a part of the, because of the process being flawed. So these are two questions in one. Why don't we take a stab at trying to deep dive into this process itself and say, what is the flaw in this top-down process? Why is it, is it difficult to flip that around and do a bottom-up on the other? And what does bottom-up really mean? Who, who else is supposed to feed into this? Let's do that whole deep dive now right? and, and tell the people what could be done better. Okay. So uh, when we say there is a top-down approach to planning the city, this is largely by the BDA. Uh, please keep in mind that the city is not just about land and its uses, right? That's what the master plan of the BDA puts in place. The city is all, also, for example, about water provision. It's about sanitation. It's about solid waste management. It's about roads. And that's the physical infrastructure. It's a lot about social infrastructure like schools, hospitals, open spaces, right? Uh, then there are a lot more other tangible, small cultural spaces that the city may require, that a neighborhood may require, walking spaces, um, gathering spaces. City is all about these things, right? And it's for everybody. Now, forget that... Uh, the, the involvement of the people in the city is there. Right now, the, the BDA is not even, for example, interfacing with a lot of its, or the government is not even interfacing with a lot of its arms. So the BWSSP is not really involved in the evolution of the master plan. The PWD or the BBMP, which is the main administering authority, is also not involved in the preparation of the master plan. So first, there is a gap over there, and that's a horizontal gap between the arms of the state itself, right? Then there are stakeholders who are, there, there is a stakeholder and a knowledge system that exists on the ground, the sub-city level. You may call it your ward level. You may call, Within the planning language, it's called the planning district, but that's a very large unit. So you need to break it down into the ward or maybe even the sub-ward level. Now, that is a reading of the city that is completely missing at this point in time. So because the BDA can't do that, it doesn't have extension arms which are 
sitting in, for example, the wards, right? The BBMP has some sort of a presence in the wards, but the VBMP is not the plan making agency. It's only the plan implementation agency. So, uh, therefore, you, the, the, the thing is that we, we are just operating at that level, which is too much at uh, above the surface, right? If we take the city as the surface, then this is above the surface. And while that view may be important, but it's limited. Now, how do we actually provision planning at the sub-city level? That's what the 74th Constitutional Amendment does. What it says is that the urban and regional planning as a function, which is a state function, needs to be devolved to the municipality. And the municipality should prepare a plan for its jurisdiction, a spatial plan, a socio-economic plan for its jurisdiction through its ward committees. Hmm. So what we need is, a, that's why we say a ward level plan. So a ward level plan has to be prepared. And this, if you prepare 100 plans, then the BBMP is the agency which will look at these 100 plans and iron out all the differences for its jurisdictions, right? So that's where the city plan will fall in place. And once the BBMP has done it, then, for instance, Margari needs to do it, Anikal needs to do it. And that needs to come up further, travel up further. And that's where your regional plan should come in place. So for Bangalore, we have a region of 8,000 square kilometers with about 11 municipalities. So each of these municipalities should prepare its plan and then the region should then iron out those differences, the overlaps, the gaps, all that should be done. That's one process that is envisaged in the 74th Constitution Amendment Act. Uh, the other process that uh, so that's the bottom up process now if you say then what is for example the bmrda or the mpc metropolitan planning committee supposed to do it's supposed to give us a framework within which these plans have to be prepared so before we jump in i wanted to explain a few of these things and maybe you're the best person to explain this the master plan is so the 74th amendment tells the city which is the bbmp in, in our case, in, in this city, the city corporation to do a plan hmm. or or it says you need to constitute. So the, let, help me explain the layers in this. There is the BBMP. Hmm. There is the Bangalore development. So BBMP, which is the local corporation, is not doing the master plan. The Bangalore Development Authority is doing the master plan, but that's for a separate region. Yes. And then we have these 11 municipal municipalities or town municipal corporations which also participate in the master plan or do they participate in something else yeah. and there is this 8000 square kilometers because i yeah. know bda's jurisdiction is around uh, 1080 or 1000 approximately 1000 1200 square kilometers then there's the bangalore metropolitan region which is about 1600 1800 and then there is the bangalore metropolitan regional development authority region which is 8000 square kilometers and bbmp itself is around 730 plus right okay there's, let me just various yeah. how do you want how can we piece this together for our audience so that they understand when we say the next things so let's start from the largest region so we have uh, uh okay let me start from the lowest one which is your BBMP. It's a municipal area uh, which whose jurisdiction is 7,000 odd square, uh, 700 odd square kilometers, right? Let's say 800 square kilometers, right? And Bangalore is a, so if you're able to imagine it, it's a concentric city. So the first circle, the innermost circle is 800 square kilometers, okay? Then what we have in the Indian context is what we call the local planning area. Okay, LPA, that is the jurisdiction of the BDA and that's purely a, a planning uh, jurisdiction, which is this 1100 odd or 10,000 uh, 10, uh, odd square kilometers. Let's say it's about 1100 odd square kilometers. Hmm? Uh, this is just the extension of, so that's the second concentric ring, which is very close to the first one, 800 and 1100. And then you have the third area is the 8,000 square kilometers, which is your BB, uh, Bangalore metropolitan region. Mm. So 8,000 is the Bangalore metropolitan region, 1,100 is the Bangalore metropolitan area, and 800 is the Bangalore municipal corporation. So we have three jurisdictions. The first one is what the planning agency for that is the BMRDA, Bangalore Metropolitan Regional Development Authority. And Bangalore is again 
one of the first few cities in the country which actually defined a region for itself. And it's a very well-defined region and a very well-constituted act under which the plan has to be prepared, which is your BMRDA plan. Then next is the Bangalore metropolitan area, which the BDA is supposed to prepare a plan for it, which includes the 800 square kilometers. And then is the BBMP, which is only administering the region, not preparing the plan for the region. So BBMP is a elected government, BDA and BMRDA are both parastatals. And what the constitution says is that we have to do away with the parastatals. Okay. Right. So the BBMP becomes, because it is an elected government, it becomes, should be the plan making agency so that there is a level of accountability for the plan that gets prepared and for the plan that gets implemented. So that's for the municipal level. And if within the 8,000 square kilometers, we have 11 or 12 municipalities, each of them is an autonomous unit of self-governance, which is supposed to look after its own planning and its implementation. Right, And bringing them together in the region is the job of the Bangalore Metropolitan Regional Development Authority. Now, what the constitutional amendment said was that let's, for the larger metropolitan areas where a lot of your regional infrastructure becomes very critical, roads are not restricted to a municipal boundary. They extend a lot outside the municipal boundary, your ecological zones, right, in the current context. A river doesn't know rural and urban boundaries. It just flows. Your forests, all these are, because they are beyond administrative boundaries, you need some sort of an integration and how do you deal with this region-level infrastructure. That's where your Metropolitan Planning Committee was recommended as an elected government, not as a parastatal. So while there is a BMRDA, but what it says is that at that level, you should have a metropolitan MPC, not at the BDA level, at the BMRDA level, an MPC, which will be actually doing the coordination for the various uh, municipalities and uh, panchayats within its jurisdiction. So that is the hierarchy that we have. And each of these, whether it's a panchayat or a municipality, is supposed to prepare its own plan through its wards. So we also have panchayats which have their wards, villages which are divided into wards. So are the municipalities and the wards are the plan-making units for each of these jurisdictions. So there is actually an amalgamation of a top-down understanding and a bottom-up. And what your MPC or your BBMP is supposed to do is iron out the differences, the overlaps, the gaps between the various plans that emerge from the bottom and actually converge it with the top-down framework. So has the MPC been set up correctly, you think? Because I think it says the Secretariat is a BMRD or is it the BDA? No, the MPC has been notified at the BDA scale, which doesn't make sense. What coordination will it do? Between whom? Yeah. Right? There is only one agent. Yeah. Maybe Ramnagram at most. No, Ramnagram is also not part of it. Mm -hmm. It, That is a part of the region. So it's only BDA, BDA LPA. Which is almost like just having BBMP and BDA just doing their own yeah. thing, right? So it yeah, doesn't there matter. is no so coordination are... that it can do at that level. So the MPC should be notified at the BMRDA level. The BMRDA should, is, is and this is all there in the Kasturi Rangan report, and they gave a fantastic recommendation where they said, we cannot disband a lot of these authorities and the skills that they have. So let's notify the MPC at the BMRDA level have the BMRD as the planning wing of the MPC. Let's uh, have let's have the BDA as the planning wing of the BBMP. Let mm. it continue to plan for the jurisdiction of the BBMP. So let that happen and uh, then let the coordination happen between various authorities. So by doing this way, one, one, one question that I had was <clears throat> before we go into trying to restructure this, the BMRDA does a structure plan is yes. what I've heard. Yes. Now, but you're saying constitute at the BMRDA level the ability to do comprehensive development plan. Do you think now the structured plan is not sufficient to hold things together and that constituting, making the master plan or, or the CDP comprehensive development plan at the at the BMRDA level is what you feel is required? 
So the structure no. plan is not no, no, the no, same no. as the CDP. Yeah. The what are the differences plan... and why it is used? Why yeah. why we need the CDP? One clarification: the CDP is required at the municipal level. Okay. Let's get that right. The structure okay. plan or the which is essentially a policy document is required at the regional level, right? Mm-hmm. So immediately the structure plan and the CDP one is a one should be a spatial as well as a socio-economic plan and the other is a policy document. Mm-hmm. So at the regional level, you need a structure plan or a policy plan which lays out the policy framework within which your land use and your socio-economic planning has to happen. At the city level, you need the CDP because that will actually bring together the, the the idea of what happens at the city, which doesn't is not really true at the which doesn't hold true for the region, right? So the city will look for its own jurisdiction and start to plan for it. It's based; it derives from the principle of subsidiarity, where it says that problems that are faced at a certain level should not go up beyond that level. So the city and its sub-jurisdictions of the wards is where a lot of the everyday planning has to happen. The long-term planning has to happen at the uh, regional level, right? So the difference between the two is one is a policy document and one is an action plan, should be an action plan. Uh, one gives the guidance for the, uh, the policy document will give the guidance for the action plan. That's how, that's the essential difference. So we need both the plans. And what we are current constitutional amendment says that these should be democratically prepared plans. Okay. Right? right now they are largely hanging within the uh, parastatals. Right. So what the BMRDA prepares as a structure plan, though technically it might be sound and might have anything, is not legally valid as a document that can, because it's not passed by any legislative body. No, no, no. It's a legally valid document. It's notified and approved the same way that the master plan gets notified and approved. But it is not approved by an elected body of Yes, 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 right. Right. That's what it is. It is uh, by the Urban Development Department following the same process, but the plan preparation does not happen by an elected body in both the cases. And that's what the 74th Constitutional Amendment says, that we have to prepare plans democratically. But then the master plan is also a legal document because it's made by a government department, the administrative wing of it. But by by the PDA preparing, it doesn't give itself credence because it's not a democratically elected. It doesn't have a democratically elected component to it. Yes. Because BBMP has the council and this. So ideally, BBMP should be making for Bengaluru, which means you want to do for 1200, you say BBMP become 1200. Or... For the 736, you do what yes. you need to do and then pass yeah. it. Yes. BDA doesn't have an equivalent council for approval. Exactly. Exactly. But by... So, when let's say if this task were to be given to the municipal corporation, then that would broadly solve these problems instead of giving it to... Uh, so, let's. that brings me to the wider question of the statutory framework that you said. Is this the statutory framework you're looking at for doing this now these parastatals that include water power energy sewage and all other utilities right Mm. how do they currently participate in the master planning process you've been involved in one the 2031 i've been involved in all four of them oh that's amazing (laughs) you've done the most master plans (laughs) in this country ever so then you should you should be the person who should tell this is how you should do it and everybody should be listening so let's hear, hear from you where why is there a hesitancy either from the utility side or is the consultative process not appealing enough for them or we're just trying to block them out? So uh, my sense is the following. Uh, Yes, there is. So what I have been arguing for is to say that, and this is not just me, the constitution also lays out that the unit of self-governance, that the BBMP should prepare its own plan. What it can do is get the BDA to prepare a plan for its jurisdiction, but then the BDA should be accountable to the BBMP. So that's where the problem lies, right? The BDA is this uh, high horse which doesn't want to be accountable to the BBMP. But if you look at successful planning, especially in cities of the global south, you will find that a lot of these utility companies where cities are working well, they are actually under the municipal bodies, the elected yeah. governments. So we right now do not have that. That's the first problem. These tend to sit a little bit elevated above the BBMP. That's one. 
two, they all seem to have defined their own jurisdictions, right? So somebody has a, and that was brought out by the BB, BBMP restructuring committee report. They visualized the whole jurisdiction aspect of all the utility companies. And these are just working on very different jurisdictions. So where do you expect any type, type of um, convergence or comprehension to happen for one jurisdiction? And the third problem is that each one works on its own timeline. So BBMP will, uh, so BDA prepares a plan for, uh, let's say now, uh, so let me give you an example. The BDA prepared its first comprehensive development plan for 1995, uh, 95, right? CDP 95, it was called. That got revised to 2015. Then it has to be revised every 20, 10 years. So then the next plan was for the year 2025. That's what it was supposed to be. Because there was a structure plan at the region for 2011 and the next one for 2031, we actually did a lot of lobbying with the government to say, let's coincide the timelines of the two plans and make it both for 2031. Right? That way, because that's the policy framework within which this sits, there will be some sort of a coordination convergence. But they did not notify that plan and now it's gone to 2041. Actually, the structure plan now should also be then revised for the year 2041. But we are constantly going back and forth on these timelines. So there's a problem of timelines, there's a problem of jurisdictions, there is a problem of how these are being evolved. And that's why I said that the plan is very much needed for the uh, for a city. But we can't throw the baby and the bathwater out together. What we need to do is clear up a lot of these processes. And what I'm saying is nothing new. This has been coming through various committees. It has come through a lot of us lobbying for these changes, but it hasn't happened, right? Now, why is there a resistance to answer your question? Well, each one of these is a power center in themselves, yeah. and they don't want that. For the 2031 plan, we actually got the utility companies together in the BMRDA boardroom to say, let's work together. It was very difficult. Each one has its own act. Each one has its own mandate. And they say, we are going, we have, it's also a culture. You've been yeah. trained to work within your act, within your mandate, and that's what you do. So that's why we have a problem. I think a starting point to this is to say that let us devolve the, the function of urban and regional planning, as it's mentioned in the 74th Constitution Amendment Act, let it go to the municipalities. Let the municipalities prepare for that jurisdiction. But when I say this to the government, they always tell me that the municipalities don't have the capacities, which I don't agree. I don't think so. Yeah, they I have don't. the capacities. You have to let them do it. Or, or build the capacity. Or build the or capacity. Whatever. Incidentally, yeah. even the BDA has been outsourcing its plan. Yeah. Right. So it's not that the BDA has a capacity, if you ask me. Right. Yeah, so, their capacities lie somewhere else. <laughs> So they are outsourcing their plan. Let the BBMP outsource the plan if they want to do it. Otherwise, let them build the capacity within in-house and that's the way to go. The question then, uh, talking about the acts that each one is empowered to do their own thing. I see this with uh, the transport agencies more closely yes. than I do with the utilities. Oh, my act allows me to plan and run and operate and everything, everything. So shouldn't the plan, even if you take away the planning function from most of these parastatals, which provide utility and everything and give it to, I don't know, wherever you say it should be. If you take the steering function away from them, will they then be in a better position? That, that means you have to amend all the acts or you need a super act which says, uh, do, do we have that? Do we have, is the MPC empowered enough to say, with our BMRDA empowered enough, or do we need to further amend that to say uh, that we have to plan for the parastatals as well? The BMLT Act, for example, tries to do that. Hmm. Of course, there is blowback. No, you can't. These can they cannot be subservient. They cannot be this. Well, if the person is steering and operating, he or she is going to skew the decks in their favor, hmm. which is not. And considering they all have their own territorial instincts like you said and like i've seen uh, it it tends to go in different directions so be the water supply company is the digging in one part of town while the electricity company has got a budget and plan that year for some other part of town mm -hmm. no wonder they are not because i said i planned but mm -hmm. i planned for me mm -hmm. and you plan for you and mm -hmm. who's planning together saying mm -hmm. everybody has to dig here this year mm -hmm. right uh, so how do you 
envision the getting away from the legal provisions how do you en- how who should now break these barriers and how do we break them okay so as i said i think the starting point is to devolve this function and then it's not that the bbmp see the city is actually being managed and run by multiple agencies but as you rightly said each one works independent of the other so i think a simple thing is to get them together the bmrda act is really before it it actually came out before its time right 1985 it's a, you, right yeah and if you read through the act it's a fantastic act which gives a lot of provision for coordination at the regional level it's one of the best acts that i have read for a while now and uh, however because it gives those overarching powers they have really never notified the rules and regulations of that act and this i am saying has been acknowledged as early as i remember that in the year 2000 mm. uh, i don't want to name the is officer but he actually spoke in public saying this is the problem with the you know why are we not notifying it let's notify the act and let's give that power or that teeth to the bmrda to coordinate a lot of these um activities within its region the bb the bbmp already has now one of the things that we have been uh, that i have been also arguing and i said it at the last master plan is that once you prepare a city plan you need a budget line for it we don't have budgets mm. to implement the master plan right now the yeah. budgets are all split between various arms of the government and then they implement roads they implement water supply they implement uh, sanitation but it doesn't speak to the master plan right so okay in the long run let the government start to think about a budget line for uh, the master plan and i i i gave this uh, uh, in a recent conversation with the cm ta member secretary in chennai i was telling him and he was saying yeah that makes so much sense i said you should push for your government to have a budget line for the master plan or the urban that's the first if it will going to take some time in the meanwhile while the plan is being prepared ask all your utility agencies whether it's the bwssp or it's any other utility agency to prepare that plan for that jurisdiction for that timeline and amend it to the master plan bring it as an annexure to the master plan right so in some way in the process itself it starts speaking to what the master plan there is some conversation happening there that's the second part then when you're implementing in the short run let the budgets for example the bwss budgets go for projects that are largely conceived or are supporting the master plan or the master plan is bringing them in 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 tandem with the land use that it's doing with the transport mobility that it's doing but let that budget get in budget line b along those projects and the bwssp is welcome to prepare the dprs to go ahead and do whatever it wants to and use its budget the way it wants to but except that there's an alignment with the larger city vision and the city plan so that's the way to go about it and if we have to bring this in you have to have the bwssp utility companies actually accountable to your elected government sitting in the municipal corporation and that's how it's been working in most parts of the world but we have a lot of these different levels that have been created and these were created by a lot of bi- bilaterals and you know they were created by the world banks and the adbs because they wanted to avoid the messy politics of the land so they created these but these have become a real problem today in today's context that is true they have become a real problem and we are knowing at the edges here trying to say that oh put some some small thing in place and it'll all work out this structure yeah. is there are so many things to be tweaked in the structure mm-hmm. that can make this work a lot better and mm-hmm. and i would assume that by doing some of these things little by little by little yes. the percentages can start going up from 14 to 24 to 34 and you know it, it can start creeping up towards more implementation right yeah and what i would also like to add over here is satya that the what we see today the the parastatals that we see as a problem they are a problem in the way they are positioned and placed today these can be potential contributors and good contributors and can be positioned positively to actually contribute to the growth they are already doing it let us just bring in that alignment and let them start to contribute to the growth of the city but in a very coordinated manner Right? of course and that's all that is required nothing more they are still doing it and if these parastatal let them become accountable to the elected government and let them function accordingly that's all that is needed it will take time 
government. The state is a huge beast which moves very slowly. We all know it, but at least let the movement. And there has to be incremental movement being shown on yes. a continuous basis yes. to see do we have a roadmap towards the ideal state and how are we moving towards that ideal state. But still, the improvement and implementation percentage, this might solve it to a certain extent, which is coordination and getting the plans aligned. On the ground, I took a simple project like a footpath that we tried to do in our area. There are so many contestations on the ground. Like from every entry exit to every restaurant owner who thinks uh, he can speak directly to the MLA and destroy this uh, footpath if you put it, you know, I need parking right in front of my... There are so many of these that implementation is a struggle when you even make the plan. Yes. Right. When you said this 12 meter road has to be 18 meter, I just went and looked at that road. That is going to take away the whole. It's like this main road has 12 meters or eight, mm. some, some places, eight meters, it just narrows down. And there are so many businesses. Mm. And that place is in the pro- pro- proposed land uses 12 meters. It could be, but it would destroy a lot. So are there, if, if you did bottom up planning, if the ward came back and said, hey, this is eight meters. 12 meters and we are okay with it being what it is. Wouldn't that help? That is that the intelligence you think is useful on the ground to not make that 18 meter line on the map because 12 meter is good enough? Yes, that is an intelligence and that is very much important to get into the conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Now, let me just pick up the same example. Suppose I'm sitting in this ward and I'm saying, look, my 12 meters, it's fine. I don't want it because right now what I'm seeing it seems to be functioning well. I have these mixed land uses uh, on both sides, and I, I'm, I, you know, I'm able to. I have a walkable neighborhood. I don't need to pull out my car for anything. I, if I step out of my house, I have everything available within ten minutes walk, and I don't want this road to go eighty meters because a lot of these shops will go. Let's just assume this is the, this is an intelligence I gather from the ward. However, as a uh, when I'm sitting at the city level, let me say that exactly what you're saying, that in this ward, the road is 12 meters. Over here, it is 18 meters. Uh, as it enters the ward, the, in the ward before, it is 18 meters. And in the ward next to it, it is 18 meters, right? So as a technical person, when I say, look, what is also happening, it is creating this traffic jam over here. So I, I, that I understand that you're... Uh, you're okay, but for the functioning of the larger city, I will have to expand this to 18 meters. Now, what that intelligence then tells me is that, you know, there are these, let's say, 50 shops on 25 each on either side, which need to be accommodated. So what if I have to do this 18 meters? I will do it, but I before that, I need to find a space for taking these 25 or 50 shops. I need to either push them back or I need to... and that's a messy trade-off, but that and that's why any kind of realistic planning is always a dynamic process and it takes forever. But it's much more durable, it's much more sustainable, and it's much more owned by everybody, right? So it will take time, for instance. Or then if that is not possible, that's a trade-off as a planner I, I'm, I'm trained to make, right? I will have to see how do I manage the 80 meters on both sides and what do I do with it? Do I divert certain kind of traffic? Do I divert certain kind of uses from there so that I do not generate so much traffic? Those are some of the things that I start to understand and those are the trade-offs. There is never a perfect solution. Planning is a very, very, it's a wicked problem, right? The city itself is a wicked problem. So what at best I can do is resolve the issue. And that resolution is a continuous process. And that intelligence is important, but only up to a certain point. Beyond that, then I need to come in. And that's where you have a professionally trained cadre of planners who say this is how it is possible, not possible. But you need both these sets or multiple knowledge sets to come together and do a trade-off and do a collaboration which will be working for everybody that's how it has to work use the right word it's a messy process it's a long time consuming process the ability to have these conversations at the individual level you were right right this this 12 meter road is uh, on one side ends in a railway line with a ring road which is 24 plus meters uh, or 100 plus meters whatever it is and on this side it is a lot more and people kind of think that okay let me just in the BDA office, draw this 18 meter line all the way, boom, like that, right? I didn't even know until I looked at the master plan that, hey, the 
PL, you said this is going to be 18 meters. And you're like, 18 meters not required. Why is this required here? Because it's a perfectly all right. There are alternates here. How that conversation never happened. Hmm. But that conversation can't happen when the master planning is said 2017. Let's do the master plan. You got six months. Let's go. Hmm. Right? I mean, what what are the intricacies in making? And second thing I wanted to segue, uh, segue into uh, the mixed use itself right as a concept many people i've seen here seem to like the gentrification because it is smooth when you're inside the car exactly right i mean it's nice to see that but a lot of people do intuitively understand the people who actually use the services on the street like if you go to a street vendor and buy from that person if you're sending a driver to buy your groceries you're not going to understand but if people who actually go and buy they seem to understand yeah it is there but maybe a little bit nicer way of accommodating these people would be good. But we've seen mostly examples from US of a different way of structuring layouts. There is a clear shops. You have to go there and buy. You have to walk across a two kilometer parking lot just to get to the store and come back. The offices are here. The houses are here. That is one way of laying it out. Our usage lends itself nicely to I think it's called mixed use. You can explain this better. Mm-hmm. Uh, lends itself nicely to go into the neighborhood. If you just want some dhania from the corner, you don't have to take the car out and exactly. go and shop for the whole week before you can get the dhania back in, right? And it, it leads to more fresher produce coming in. There's a mm-hmm. lot, of, lot of stuff. How can we leverage this? Because while there is mixed use, there's also misuse. In some places, mm-hmm. I call it the mixed use misuse, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you don't misuse it, mixed use can be good. What what do you see as the future of how we are laid out? Are there any comparable examples? Because we seem to always be looking at the US, for examples. Uh, a... I, where, where else do you think this kind of thing has been leveraged positively? And do you think it's an advantage? How should people view the neighborhood Kirana shop? So let me start with two things. Number one, I think uh, at least within uh, the, the US is a bad model of urbanization. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a very spread out model of urbanization, which is highly, highly automobile dependent. And today, a lot of what we are seeing in terms of emissions and climate change, it's, it's got to do with those lifestyles, right? So that's one part of the story. Let me take back take you back to any old, evolved, historical, traditional city in India. What you have is a mixed use. We've always lived in neighborhoods where there is a shop in the front and a house at the back. There's a shop below and a house on top. We have always had mixed use, compact cities. The West only woke up to it in the recent past where they are talking about the 15-minute city and the uh, walkable city or the walkable neighborhood. We have always had mixed-use cities. The problem also in the master plan is that it starts to look at a single-use, primary use, secondary use kind of. It overplays that imagination on on a fabric which is largely mixed-use. And that's the conflict. That's why you cannot implement a lot of those things, what the master plan is talking about. We have been telling the government of Karnataka, the Karnataka Town and Country Planning Act has to be changed to bring in the category of mixed use. And then you recognize the mixed use that exists on the ground and call it the mixed use on the map itself. We don't have it right now. I think this was put in as early as 2012 or 2011. There is a file. I know we pursued that file for a while, but we haven't been able to bring the mixed use as a category in the master plan. Okay, so we largely have a yellow residential, yellow residential mix, commercial, commercial mix like that. We have call it a mixed land use, and then you are calling the spade a spade. It's easier mm-hmm. to plan for it then. That's the first thing. The second thing we do have mixed land uses, but what we do do not have are walkable neighborhoods. That's because there is a lot of haphazard development that we allow. Okay, the mixed use as it exists is fine. If you want a vending zone, you, you want vendors are a part of our everyday living and they are not only for the vendor himself or herself, that's their livelihood, we cannot wipe them away. We need them. It's like your domestic help, right? A, a rich uh, locality does need all its domestic help coming in and working for them and those, those people need houses, right? So you need to have a high income, a middle income and a low income, all housing together in close proximity because otherwise you will not get maids they will not take a bus and come to your house right they walk whatever is walking you will find that that's how if there is a 
high end development somewhere and if there are, you will find either squatters coming up or a close by village which gets transformed to support that high end development or to support itself now the mixed use concept is already there we need to recognize it to make it to make those mixed use viable and potentially positive you need to start planning for those mixed uses vendors have to sit in a vending zone they cannot just spread themselves wherever they want to that's a function of enforcement which is where also we are lacking right let me give you the example of the bda complex in jaynagar if you actually go back and we traced that complex and we said how it was planned it's one of the most beautifully planned complex that existed once upon a time yeah. where there were shops there were vending zones there was parking and then there was a footpath it was beautifully planned and it's a planned complex they broke it down and everything then was contained within that complex it has been broken down it has a bad design you have all the vendors spilling onto the roads and you create a bigger problem it doesn't make any sense without besides giving taking away footpaths right so what we need to do is work on those neighborhoods and say that these neighborhoods need to be planned for walking for non motorized any sort of mobility plus the mixed use that is existing plus its larger role in the in the city plus its role in the larger city now unless we those things don't come together we are in a mess and what we are doing right now is only reacting to the mess one way to look resolve this issue is to start proactively look look at the mess and say okay proactively what is it that i can do about it so we have mixed uses and let's use that as a strength that indian cities offer how do you improve those mixed uses and i think the tod plans the tod frameworks that policy that has come in now perhaps may it needs there are problems with that you know it keeps saying transit oriented development i'm still just running through it now right now but i think we also need to in some parts of the the um, city start to understand how the transit itself supports the development that is existing you know you have an existing land use over there look at it you have that how do you, we keep saying within 6 minutes walking 6 minutes cycling and 6 minutes bus we are going to plan a make a plan one that transit oriented development i think it's a development oriented transit that also needs to be brought in two i think uh it's the tra- tod policy is more about land use than is it is about transit it is and if you read that you will understand that right so and so. you are not you're not bringing in the land use aspects at all you are still going continuously focusing on the transit parts so but i think the policy has potential and i think it needs it can in many ways if they do what they are saying that they will be triggering off a bottom up planning process but without a missing framework so i think that needs to be put in place i think the transit oriented development is a catch up because everybody is hanging on to the floor area ratio that it provides right because they want the fsi they want to build large which area. we have not been able to exhaust since 2050 why incidentally why because your plot sizes right let me give you the example of the nanda theater road there is a transit corridor metro corridor your plots are largely 60 40 plot sizes as well as the cost of land right what they said is take an far of 4 they said amalgamate the plots in a 60 40 how do you exhaust an far for amalgamate the plots now as a developer if i'm going to buy four plots first i have to be a really powerful entity i cannot be the small developer if i bring in amalgamate the plots do you think i will put in anything that is non luxury on those plots of land four 60 40 flat plots on that in that part of the city I and mean, it's going to cost me a bomb what am i going to do i'm going to put luxury housing i'm going to put malls i'm going to put high end uses over there you have reduced the whole philosophy of a transit oriented development none of those people who visit those development pockets will actually use the transit they will use the car yeah and i think the parking rules need to be so this is like a catch up game right you built a very expensive metro 500 crores per kilometer now you have to catch up and make it work Mm. for yourself so you're going to have to do transit oriented development to say oh i spent a lot on transit now why don't you just live here and use this instead so there's a lot of things that go in you have to make parking yeah. very expensive there are 100 little things of course the character is going to change development oriented mm. transit is typically done with the bus where mm. development goes the bus goes yes. you put expensive metro stations to where you found the land now you have to bring all the people to where you put the land mm. and say now live here because my train is here 
before you approve plot so there's so many moving parts in this right so i want to get to quickly to the ward level planning and then i want you to give me the closing comments so ward level planning today the ward committees and others are just looking at tactical uh issues of water drainage and everything of course that's where the plans come from how do you empower people what what budgeting is happening with some of the agencies mm-hmm. some in, in, in ngos are already working with ward committees to see how we can help them budget I think I think that's one step higher than just complaining. Correct. But if if wards have to start giving you with people's inputs on qualitatively and quantitatively, saying how many people actually walk to this place and use the vendors here, you can observe. We can do. What does it take at the ward level uh, to get people to help you plan and then feed it back? Because that's easier, manageable from an from a civil society perspective to go to a ward and say, hey, can you include these five things hmm. in your so that next time the master plan is done you say hey look we have a plan word on you right how Correct. does that work so basically they need to look at their own jurisdictions and one i keep saying this all the time the word itself the word committee itself and that's a question of awareness it's a question of conversations need to move beyond a mere grievance redressal platform right right mm-hmm. now my street lights are not, and those that's not i'm not reducing it those problems are really critical but that's not the only thing so where do you start it first the councillors the ward office which actually if you ask me and i've been saying this let's put up a map of the ward big mm. one at the councillor's office visualize the map visualize the ward say this is my map of my jurisdiction this is my road this is my footpath this is my solid waste right now we don't even we have no visualization around it right so that's the first part start to encourage the councillor and the councillor will do it because it's the basis of re-election right and that's very very it's a win-win for both let the councillor tell the people and the ward committee and i i am completely aware of what are some of the problems with the ward committees what are some of the problems with the political representative like everyone else let's give it a try they will learn from their mistakes everybody will suffer but come back to it. it's a process that we have all and it is across the world have gone through so we may go through a mayhem but the mayhem won't be any less than what we are right now into yeah. it right so let's do that so let the ward become a planning unit and what you need is a planner sitting there is other technical skills sitting there apart from your experts your ward councillors your senior citizens and everybody else who gets nominated or elected but you do need also technical skills but there's no shortage of technical skills in this country people are looking for jobs mm. planners and uh, mobility experts and environmentalists and uh, housing specialists are looking for jobs in uh, absorb them there right and get them to prepare plans it planning is and i repeat this planning is a technical activity but that it is it, it is it, the technicalities of planning will only sit well and get unleashed if we are able to rely on different knowledge systems the socio economic fabrics understand all those and that you cannot do it as a planner on your own you can trigger that understanding through different collaborations so that is needed very much and then take that plan and say this is what my requirement is let's say there are two wards sitting next to each other both of them want a primary school let's there to both of them want a college the municipality can then clearly say hey instead of giving these two colleges i'll give one college where both the wards or maybe four wards can access it. i'm just giving a very simple example Fair but that's what the bbmp is supposed to do right or maybe the education wing through the bbmp or whatever but that's that's the way it has to be routed so planning at the ward level is not a problem you need a master plan budget which gets disaggregated to a ward budget and once the ward is has its budget let them plan there will always never be enough money but there will be at least sufficient money to do things which people want and which people yeah. will own i want to conclude with top 3 things that are low hanging no no it's never low hanging but let's just go for top 3 from your side there's the huge structural issues there is the ward level things and there's things in between where should for the next uh, the new government that is coming in if you and i were to take something to them and say do this three things what would that be from yeah. a planner's perspective i would say actually the ward plan is a low hanging fruit today because mm-hmm. the ward committees in many places i'm not saying all across the city but many places they are working pick up the 10 wards that are working committees that are working start them on a process of planning 
Number one, simultaneously start the master plan or the city plan process. Number two. And third, start to build capacities uh, or start to, okay, not say, let's not say capacity. That's not low hanging. I think the capacities exist. None of us know what exists, what doesn't. But the third thing is start to have conversations within the arms of the government and say, we want to prepare a plan. Put out 10 newspaper uh, advertisements saying that the city is going for a uh, plan which is which is going to be a public process let's do it what what's holding us okay. let's do it and let's say we want to prepare a plan for mm. let the word come plan let the master plan come let's see where they colli uh, collide or not collide or talk to each other it's something that we will only know once we do it right now we are in a complete limbo and it's not good i i believe i got a i got a forward from one of my colleagues which is from the Deccan Herald a report, which is saying that as the draft 2031 was notified, and this was new for me also, somebody has gone basis that notif uh, that approval went and took permission for a building that had to be constructed. Now that building, and this is as per the 2031 approved plan, which was later the approval was taken. Since it was approved, I had the uh, planning permission to go ahead with the building. Now the building is complete and they are not giving me an OC. So they went to court and the court said, you have to give them an OC because you approved the plan. Yeah. Right. So I'm just thinking because I never thought any action had been taken as per that plan, but obviously action has been taken and there may, may be several other examples like that. It's crazy. A city like Bangalore, which is fairly forward looking, which is fairly sits very well as far as the urban agenda of the country is concerned. We are relying on a 2007 master plan. That's crazy. I wanted to end on that note, but I had a bonus question, which I actually forgot to ask in the beginning, because I wanted to go back to this. Uh, our, we are growing very fast. You admitted that we all know that we know how fast uh, cities are growing. Uh, is a 15 year timeline for the master plan good enough? Or even if the plan is 15 years, are there intermediate adjustments that need to be done? Mm -hmm. Because this seems to be too big a timeline when we look at how fast we are growing. So what do you think how these things can be? Because it also led me to think about the ward level planning. Is that mm -hmm. more frequent? How do you envision the update frequency for this? So, uh, Satya, your question is moot if you start to think of the new process, right? The ward level planning is not a one-time activity. It's continuously happening. So you're bringing in dynamism and that's what the main idea of planning was that how do you move from a very static plan to a dynamic plan and the ward in its continuous let's say it meets every month it meets every three months on proactively on deciding on certain issues it's already you're bringing in dynamism into the plan and that gets constantly updated into the the master plan is should not be a one-time activity that's another flaw that we have the the larger framework Yes, I would say 10 years, you just put down the larger framework because you need a larger city mission, right? So you put that down and you say within that, the continuous uh, updation will have happen from the ground. You know, for example, certain non-negotiables. Here are my lakes, my tanks, my floodplains. These are non-buildable. I have mapped them, I've put them there. Now, every word will have to you're able to visualize it. You're seeing there's a there's a tank here, there's a lake here, there's a water body here. This cannot be touched. Do not touch this. Anything else, you plan around it, and I'm ready to approve it. Right? That's the dynamism yeah. we need to bring in. So the example would be, let's say this was marked as a residential. It allowed uh, C1. I want to upgrade to C2, maybe or you know PSP. Sorry, these are technical terms. We want to include a little bit more commercial, or we want to change some things. That could be the update you think. Mm. Or mm. we want to build a college which is PSP four, and I want to bring the uh, that level of category into this. So is that the kind of land use upgrades you see happening, rather than go and touch the green? Yes. Pieces? So now, if I'm and this is real time, I need a college. Look, my my my. I need a public health center. Let's say, mm. yeah. I don't have it, and I'm not being idealistic when I'm saying these things planning has always been a public process till about two decades three decades ago we've been trained to think of it as a public process as a public good right i want a public health center i don't have it i need it now let me identify i i since i'm able to see my ward in my corporate's office i know that plot is empty i know that plot belongs to so and so person either you take it or find a government land and let's put it up there 
right that's the kind of, but there is also a water body here in my in my in my ward and i want this to be preserved as it is i know i cannot construct around it in the buffer is a no construction zone so if there is a builder who's proposing something here i know i have to say no to him you're able to visualize it and technology today can really help a lot of this visualization yeah. in real time right so that we don't want to use we don't want to because that becomes a problem also from many fronts so i think this question of this 15 years 10 years is dynamism static is moot if we put the new process in place on that wonderful note uh, uh, thanks anjali for coming on it was a very interesting conversation i'd like to pick up some of these things uh, again if you have the time to come back on the show and uh, let's pick up on one or two of these issues in deep dive my pleasure uh, just uh, another call out to people to like subscribe and share uh, these videos so we can bring more interesting guests on like anjali and talk more useful stuff that can change the nature of urban governance and urban mobility in the city these are all interconnected issues and uh, see you all next week uh, bye bye